Okay. Did you mute me? I, I well, no, I just hadn't switched you to these instead well, of the one that I game with. <laughs> I mean, well, you wouldn't have been the first person to mute me, so. <laughs> I did not. Angel Doctor Speaks, yes. Oh. I siphoned off the budget for hardware for her new chair. <laughs> yeah. Be right back. Going to learn sign language real quick. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, you guys. Holy mother of God. Um, <laughs> I am so excited to have Dr. K with us. The lovely Dr. K, um, self-described as an ardent humanist. She is a professor of psychology at the University of North Texas at Dallas, which I attended UNT, but the one in Denton. Um, <laughs> My undergrad. I like it. I like it. Uh, where she teaches and teaches original curriculum in LGBT and gender studies. She is. She has a PhD in cognitive psychology. Published her dissertation on relationship maintenance during the transgender self-disclosure process, which sounds like a mouthful, uh, but I, I really am intrigued by that. While the LGBT community is her primary passion, Dr. K has explored many areas in psychology, including crisis intervention, intervention, criminal psychology, suicide awareness, and prevention. In her free time, she power lifts, hello, yep. runs a self-care Sunday group, and plays a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, right? So yeah. there we go. We are super blessed to have her here today. I do have a question queue open. Uh, so if you have a question, be sure to type exclamation point, just the letter Q, follow Dungeons and Dragons, yes. Follow it by uh, your question, it'll pop it into a queue. I'm also keeping an eye on chat. However, Streamlabs sucks today and decided not to put my chat in its usual place. So I'm having to do that in a different way via the Twitch, um, dashboard which i don't normally do however it is possible to do so i understand <laughs> uh, oh god <laughs> uh, also the queue will hold one question per user at a time so if you have a question and you want to enter another one you can put it into chat but it won't enter the queue until i clear out your previous question so with all of that being said we have some ground to cover and i am already behind because of my because of my my issues here not anything that are wait which way are you which way are you oh, oh. i'm everywhere <laughs> successful you are you are you are just everywhere um so with our our lovely guest over here which okay hang on now oh no that's okay we're okay we're good we're fine it's good no no worries no worries everything's good Everything's good. We're fine. Everything's fine. You have all night, Alex. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I, it's past my bedtime, so. <laughs> well, if we start to keep you up uh, too late, just let me know and we can. But you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I want to start off not with the questions that they're already throwing out, which are valid and silly. Uh, but what is an ardent humanist? So when you take your first psychology class, uh, they introduce all, when I say they, your instructors will introduce all these different perspectives in psychology. So you have your psychodynamic theorists like Mr. Freud, uh, you have behavior, behavioral theorists, uh, which are the folks that worked with the salivating dogs. Um, and then you have this other area called humanistic psychology. Uh, that was spearheaded by uh, Abraham Maslow, and you might recognize that name. 
with the hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. So the hierarchy of needs suggests that we have these very basic needs that need to be met before we can move up that hierarchy towards self-fulfillment. Um, but humanistic psychology as a whole focuses on that self-awareness, uh, that personal fulfillment and the power of free will and the ability to make our own choices. So I am enamored with um, with the humanistic perspective. Uh, and so I try to use that thought process in every area of my life. And when I use the word ardent, it's just a descriptor for being very enthusiastic about it. I like it. I like it. That's a that's a pretty good uh thing to be enamored with, I feel like. <laughs> I like it because it doesn't doom people to a, a diagnosis or genetic predispositions. It yeah. gives power back to the individual. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so our next question, I'm going to get these from the queue because uh, one of them is just silly because Alex is a low-key troll and fantastic at it. Uh, what is Dungeons & Dragons? <laughs> it's this great <laughs> restaurant right around the corner. No, I'm kidding. I mean, it could be. It could be a restaurant. But for me, D&D, uh, the beautiful tabletop game that is being used for so many different things. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware, but organizations like Game to Grow and uh, Clinical Role, you've probably heard of Critical Role. Clinical Role is uh, using D&D in a therapeutic setting. So teaching folks to um, problem solve and work together, it really helps uh, build social skills and uh, lessen anxiety issues when conversing with other folks. Uh, it's used a lot in, um, in a setting with kids with autism um, to get them to work together. It's just, it's really, really cool. It's uh, it's something that can be used in a variety of ways. I don't use it in a therapeutic sense, per se. Um, I just play every week with my with my friends. <laughs> uh, we play virtual D&D &D where we meet through Skype because it's my husband and I, a couple um, about four hours away from us, and then a couple over in Germany. So you can use Skype to play D&D. &D. I like Go it. <laughs> we, uh, we actually have some folks who have played it via discord as well like in a in a server yeah. via discord yeah which i think is pretty nifty uh okay so our next question also comes from nikki what's your favorite D, D class i am a druid through and through uh can't help myself <laughs> <laughs> i think that's fine so what what do you like about being a druid what is what is it that is the draw for you? I, well, I've always been a, a spellcaster in any game that I play. Uh, so when I started playing d and I just took out the player's handbook and went, okay, I have these classes to choose from. Um, and I just loved the druids, you know, being out in nature, all that fun stuff. And I grew up camping. I mean, I spent one summer in Ely, Minnesota, which is as far north as you can get in Minnesota, and I worked at the International Wolf Center. Um, so that was a summer. Wait, wait, wait. the yes. wolf, wolf wolf center, like oh, oh yes, <laughs> I love it. I, I had six full-grown wolves in our facility that I got to work with for a summer. Um, wow! And so 
the love story begins. <laughs> that that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Alex is a pure bard, pure butt face. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> White Horse is a Path of Vengeance Paladin. First time on a pally, though, since they don't have to be good by nature anymore. Is that, no, they don't. So that's important to you, is to not have to be good by nature. Druid, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by Mark. Uh, by Mark, who's my sister, by the way, and a wonderful streamer as well. For anybody who isn't following Bite Mark, you should. Uh, I'm Druid more than anything else. Love it so much. That's great. Okay, so we have another question from Slay. Holy love of everything. <laughs> uh, I don't know what happened. Did we go, did we <laughs> did we get too much in nerd into the webs? Yes. Fix now back for me. Woo! Woo! All right, guys. I've had enough with the with the problems. That can stop any moment now, I swear. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't have to keep going like that. I I promise you it doesn't. Uh <laughs> okay. it's interesting. We're back. Everything's connected. Everything's on. Okay. I'm so sorry. Please continue. <laughs> okay. So the the question was uh, something about using um, pieces of my job or using my yes. jobs to inform my characters. Yes. Um, not directly. I've never had a psych a psychologist character, um, but I have had a character that I used um, pieces of information uh, about like abusive relationships and things like that to inform how this person would react in given situations. So if this person had had survived a, a traumatic experience, how would they respond to other things going on in game? So I've used that knowledge, but I haven't created a, uh, a Freud character quite yet. <laughs> One day. <laughs> One day. Okay, so that leads into our next question. Uh, what do you love and what do you hate about D&D? I love so much about D&D, about how it really allows you to explore yourself. Um, because whether we admit it or not, every character that we have is a part of us somehow, whether it be someone who is very much like you, like my druid, or someone like my warlock, who is not like me at all, but is, but is uh, designed after uh, after Harley Quinn, if you can believe it. Uh, I but, like it. Yeah, Harley Quinn. It, she's a character in pop culture that we find fascinating. So what do we do when we find a character fascinating? We flesh it out. We experience that character and who that person really is. Um, and so that's what I love about D&D, being able to try on different pairs of pants and things like that. Um, different what do pairs I of pants, I like it. <laughs> uh, what do I hate about D&D? Um, I have the best DM ever, so nothing, he, we can get away with just about anything if we try hard enough. Um, I think what I would hate most about D&D is uh, mostly combat because I am very much a role-playing driven person. Um, so when I become, or so when we're in combat, basically I use my druid to just wild shape or polymorph and 
just run around as a dinosaur because I can. I like it. I like it. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. valid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dungeon Master. <laughs> nah, Dominatrix, Frost. You're right. Dominatrix. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it takes all sorts. It does. It does. It's true. It's very true. Siphon my hardware budget. Probably. You don't know. No. <laughs> Uh, okay, so getting more into kind of the mental health aspect of this, uh, what interests you about mental health? Kind of who inspired you to get into this field? I know that a lot of the time you go, someone will go into mental health for a specific reason. You know, I started streaming mental health for a very specific reason, uh, something that happened in my life. And so why do you do what you do? Uh, it's a combination of a couple of things. Um, one is personal and one's just a little weird. Uh, I was the odd girl, 12 years old, watching Dahmer documentaries after her parents went to bed. Uh, so I was always fascinated with serial killers, which is a big thing, um, especially these days with all these like ne Netflix films and stuff coming out. Um, so there was that, just having an interest in the criminal mind. Um, and the other thing was uh, I had several members of my family uh, complete suicide. Uh, it was cluster, cluster suicide. So we had three family members go very quickly, very close to one another. And when things like that happen to you, especially when you're young, you get to wonder, well, why? What happened? Mm -hmm. How can I how can I help other people through similar scenarios? What do I need to know? Um, to make people more aware of what's going on um, and just get people to start talking and asking questions because suicide has always been a no-no. We don't talk about that sort of thing, but why not? Um, part of the problem is that we feel like we can't talk about that sort of thing. We're going to be shunned. We're going to be uh, told that we're crazy. Uh, I... No, you know how many people have suicidal ideations or experience depression and anxiety? I mean, it's just another part of yourself. Um, and I think we need to start conversing more about it in order to help each other out. I mean, we're humans, let's be decent to one another. I love that, I think it's, I think it's great. And you know, you're so right. People just don't talk about a lot of things surrounding mental health and especially suicide are just so taboo. Like you don't want to say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm really having some some dark thoughts today because then there becomes this immediate scrutiny on what's wrong with you. And yeah. it's not necessarily there's something wrong with you as a human being. Just maybe there's something you could work on within yourself or maybe, you know, there's some brain misfires going on that you can oh, yeah. uh, get some help <laughs> for. So. I think that yeah. that's great. Two for two on serial killer obsessions. Yeah. So uh, our last guest also really loved serial killers. And <laughs> uh, who did she say her favorite one was? Oh, no. A favorite serial killer. She did. She had a favorite serial Do you have a favorite serial killer? Yes, I, I, I can't say that I do. All right. All um, right. But I'm sure I could give you an answer if I really thought about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we, I mean, we talked about, you know, the shows on Netflix and everything. I We watched through um, Mindhunter, and then I watch Criminal Minds all the time. Um, yeah. And just some of those, oh, my favorite's Mom Foxfire. Hey, shh. <laughs> you just outed her. I know. Don't do that, man. We've talked about this. <laughs> Kills all the trolls with kindness. I like it. I like it. Trolls, man. Uh. <laughs> 
Okay, we do have another question here. What is your favorite tool in your psychologist toolbox techniques exercise Jedi mind trick? Ooh. So I'm trained as a, uh, a client-centered uh, therapist. Uh, that's humanistic psychology term for you. And what that means is that we are, just as I discussed uh previously, we're giving power back to our clients. So we basically give, hand them the reins and we say, all right, these are all things that need to be done. What do you want to start with? What do you think you're ready for? We allow them to set the pace. We, of course, keep them on, on track, um, but we're not going to push anything that they're not ready to discuss. We can say, hey, this is something we ought to think about. But, I mean, they have they have their own power, they have the ability to make their own choices. And that's part of the environment. Because most of the time they feel as though their lives are out of control or they such and such happen to them and they have no way to, to cope with that. Um, so within our environment, we are giving them power. We are giving them control. Uh, we're letting them know that this is your life and you can take it back. Um, so client-centered therapy is my favorite thing in my toolbox. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I'm going to say I like it a lot. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one, it's one of the things that I continually say over and over when I'm really agreeing with someone. So yeah, uh, human psychology is very much, uh, the, the, these are the hippies of the psychology field. <laughs> oh, I love hippies. <laughs> We love hippies here. All hippies okay. welcome. <laughs> uh, is it the hammer? <laughs> I watched the HBO special, Mommy Dead and Mommy Dearest. No, I haven't. But all right. So my husband has said, like, every now and then he'll say, that was little Mommy Dearest. And so I looked up at least a couple scenes, and it looks pretty terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I watched that when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, so I remember as a kid, I don't remember who was babysitting us. But we were being babysacks. My mom was at work, and uh, I got to watch Freddy Krueger. And it, like, I was terrified. <laughs> it was the first movie that I was ever actually afraid from. <laughs> that was, it, was, it was pretty bad. Uh, okay, so your background is really varied from relationships to criminal psychology to crisis intervention, which I think is great because you're really good understanding of kind of just people in general. How did you land on your specialty of LGBT and gender studies? Well, I was in my PhD program and I was about to start this small side project called a dissertation. <laughs> and I had no idea what I wanted to research. Uh, I had so many loves the criminal psychology. I love gaming, and so I thought, hey, there might be something in that region. Um, the program I'm in is a cognitive psych program. Um, I have forensic psychology in my background. I like social, you know, all of it. Just start listing it. I had no idea what to do. So I started paying attention to what was going on at work. At the time, I was doing the crisis intervention for a, a county mental health facility. And um, while there have been some strides made in uh, LGBT acceptance in Texas, it is still Texas. So uh, we were having 
clients come in who were either struggling with their sexual orientation or their gender identity and yeah <laughs> um and um <laughs> Frost is also in Texas, and so is Slay. Yeah. Oh, okay. It is still indeed Texas. Yes, it is. And and Autumn is also in Texas. Yeah, right. <laughs> you get it. You get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was happening was as these folks were coming in through intake, um, they were being sent to me because I was someone who I taught human sexuality at Stephen F. Austin. It was not something that I was uncomfortable with. I was very honest and open and I accepted it. Um, not your classic Texan. Uh, and so I, all of these clients started getting funneled to me and it was just what I was exposed to on a daily basis. And I started to realize, oh my gosh, there is there's still some stuff going on here that needs to be explored. Uh, so, fell into my lap. <laughs> I like it. We need more of you. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, it was so it was great. You know, for that um, for the month of June, I did various pride nails, and so um, I got lots of compliments on them. You know, one of them uh, I did, I did the dot one. I can't even remember all the ones that I did. I did the dot one. I did some rainbow, uh, and then I did some gradient. <clears throat> and every time I get a compliment, I'd be like, "Thank you so much! It's for Pride Month," and you know, and kind of go into this like, "I I'm an, just showing my love and my support as an ally, and I think mm-hmm. that it's great that you love them, and uh, hopefully the message comes across as well." And I was so impressed because. For the first year, oh yeah, no, it didn't say hate homos. It did not. It said no hate. My, my middle finger said no hate on it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did get to flip someone off on the stream too because they came in trolling right after I'd done them, and I was like, ah, I got something for you. <laughs> uh, but I was so impressed because for the first year, like, no one was like, oh, you know, a- a- everyone was like, oh, that's so cool. That's really nice, and whether or not they were thinking the same thing in their head, like at least outwardly, they didn't express any sort of negative emotion. And I was so glad to see that progress in our great state of Texas, which sometimes is honestly not so great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, even with um, all of my research and I mean, I'm, I'm pretty visible in the LGBT community because it's something that I am very passionate about and I care, I care about that community. Um, and I, even knowing who I am, I've had people come up with me in the past couple of weeks, mind you saying, you need to stop posting so much pride stuff. Oh my gosh. Come on. So much pride stuff. It's, it's, my passion it's my career what you know what is it to you (laughs) well and also like it's just love why can't everybody just just accept the love and and it's fine it's great when i can point to a professional and say if you don't want to take my word on it as a trans person talk to this professional who say what i've been saying yes yeah autumn or here let me just post 87 more pride related things yes i feel like that is an appropriate response Yeah, <laughs> I don't like it, so you can't like it and talk about it. I just now saw it because I, I have the chat pulled up in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so I mentioned your dissertation, which has a, a, 
a long um, name, but that I'm really interested in. So could you give us like the the quick summary? Because I know the dissertations are not quick. <laughs> Correct. <It is laughs> on, not yeah, on kind of the summary of your dissertation on relationship maintenance during the transgender self-disclosure process. Right. It is a mouthful because that my committee made me make it a mouthful. Um, they didn't want anything artsy. So I had to call it what it was. Um, so um, what I ended up uh, looking into was specifically uh, relationships with transgender individuals. And um, what do we know about a relationship? Well, it's almost never just one person. There are other folks involved in this. And so I was talking to some folks who had a transgender loved one, friend or family member, uh, who was in the process of transitioning. And they were telling me um, about all these thoughts and experiences that they had had as a cisgender support. Um, and it was really interesting because so many researchers do focus on the transgender self-disclosure process, you know, them coming out to folks, um, and then the transition process. But what a lot of people forget is that everyone around them, they're going through some changes too. Um, not always positive. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's what I wanted to focus on. I wanted to talk to folks and see what helps you maintain this positive relationship with this person you love. Um, and I think if I were to summarize it in a single statement, uh, it is they are still the same person. That's oh, what I was yeah. getting from so many of my respondents. And it was so poignant, but that's kind of how I had to summarize uh, and conclude my dissertation. Um, and that's important. And it's just a new piece of information about this person that you love. And you learn how to make room for that. Yeah, I like that. Autumn says, I always say that when my when we transition, our family transitions with us, some uh, same management, new coat of paint, maybe Absolutely. some remodeling. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great way to put that. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Okay, so we do have another question uh, from chat. Do you have any phobias? And if so, how do you manage them? Um, ooh, phobias. Like, like I, I do. I, spiders? <laughs> yeah, spiders. I mean, I, I don't like spiders either. I make my husband kill them <laughs> or get rid of them. Um, there is a, okay, say, I just saw that. Is there a phobia for cockroaches? There's a phobia for everything. Right. Um, I don't know the technical terms for it, but, um, but they're out there. Uh, my phobia. Okay, I'll just go back to one that used to scare me when I was a kid. Uh, I was always afraid of Bigfoot. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. I couldn't watch Star Wars because you know who Chewbacca looked like? Bigfoot. <laughs> yes. So uh, I just, I got over that because my friends love Star Wars. And so I kind of just had some exposure therapy going on and just was constantly exposed to it. Um, oh, but I'm trying to think of other like legitimate phobias that I have. I know I have them. <laughs> <laughs> My husband has the opposite of a phobia about Bigfoot. He is actually like obsessed with Bigfoot. So 
I think if, if he could find one, he might marry it. I don't know how I didn't think about this. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of crowds. Oh, okay. A whole, a whole lot of people, right? Um, if I'm crushed up against other folks, yeah, okay, I kind of just talk my way through it. It's fine. But I went to, um, I went to Rome this summer uh, with my husband and his parents, and we were in the Vatican, and we come out through one door, and there's these steps that go down in a long hallway. There were people from wall to wall from where I stood all the way back, <laughs> and I just started panicking. There I am in the middle of the Sistine Chapel crying because I, I have no way out. I have no exit. Um, uh, so what did I do to manage that? Oh, my husband. He's so sweet. <laughs> he kind of just took me to a corner and was just like, it's going to be okay. It's okay. I'm sorry you're feeling, I, I'm, I'm sorry that this is, or I'm sorry for the feeling that you are feeling because I know what it's like. My husband's afraid of heights. So we kind of yeah. talked about it that way. But I mean, it's it's crazy how just talking to someone can get you through some of the difficult stuff, even if it is just trying to walk your way through a crowd. Yeah, that we so we talked we've talked about that before. Um, there's an organization called Take This, and uh, they do the AFK room at gaming conventions where you walk in and it's just a quiet space and you know, there's someone there to say, "Hey, is there any way we can help you? Do you just need some downtime or whatever?" And uh, when I went to Pack South, which is actually where I met Autumn, also uh, when I went to Pack South, you know, I oh, were you? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> the panels I went to in my resume as as uh, like lectures I had attended. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Anyway, uh, so I walked in to the AFK room and I had been I don't have like I don't have a phobia of crowds or I don't have a problem with crowds necessarily. Like I don't like people all in my in my space. Don't get me wrong. But just walking into that room because it was right past the arcades and right past the beanbag chairs and like right past a really cramped space um just walking in it was just that feeling of oh my gosh here's a space for me to breathe you know kind of and it was fantastic it was great i loved it yeah yeah absolutely everybody that i have talked to who actually went into the afk room and knew what the afk room was for uh loved it it was, nice. it was great uh, Autumn asked, did you do the, did you go to the diversity and gaming and tech panel? She was one of the panel members. No kidding. Yes, I did do that. <laughs> I was in there. I wasn't a panel member. I was in the audience. <laughs> yes, it was I. If it has anything to do with uh, diversity and inclusion, then I'm there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. It was a great, yeah. that was a great panel too. Oh yeah, it was. But PAX is, is always, is always really good about having uh, interesting topics and mm -hmm. including the community right yeah. small yeah <laughs> it is a small world oh so autumn you have no idea how small it is because our our guest last time um elizabeth clemis was also at pack south and she was working in the afk room <laughs> and we had no idea we had no idea until it came up on stream <laughs> so yeah you know tiny tiny world uh even though Texas is big. And also, uh, our last guest was from Massachusetts. So, like, totally not even from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Mama said she'd take me to PAX as an early birthday present when it came. She blocked me on Discord. What else do you want from me, Frost? I mean, you know, I just, I'm full of empty promises and, and broken hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> your love, your love, you have it. I go to PAX South every year for our Christmas gifts. <laughs> oh, I like it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we do have another question. Do you personally have a mental health professional that you see? Do you feel this should be a requirement for all mental health professionals since they can have such a strong impact on so many people? I definitely think that it is something that you should experience before you go into the mental health field. Um, and the reason I say this is when I was uh, working on my master's, uh, my master's degree, all of us were required to go to counseling services. Yeah. And, and the, and I think the main idea from that was to understand what it's like to be on the other side of things, um, and just how influential this person that you're seeing is going to be in your decision making, uh, which is incredible because I came out of that room and went, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to deal with people like me. <laughs> um, so I, it's, I think it's a great a great thing to um, to do. Uh, even if you're not going into the mental health field, uh, I support counseling services like no one's business. Um, I I loved uh, seeing a counselor regularly so much during my uh, graduate program that I continued it afterwards. Um, I mean, I haven't seen a counselor uh, or a mental health professional myself in, in a while now, but um, I mean, the the impact that it made on my life was incredible. Um, and this, the tools and the things you learn about yourself in a therapeutic setting, those are priceless. Um, and they really do contribute to living a happier life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have another question. Would, you, would having a colleague be your doctor and vice versa be helpful or stale? And I will say um, that I know that you can't be like personally connected to someone who you're seeing professionally, I think for seven years um, before or after yep. services. That's um, right. And I, I know this because the therapist that I see, you know, I go in there, today is not a good example because all I have is blue on my nails, but I do different nails just about every week. Uh, mm -hmm. We just were traveling a lot this weekend, so I didn't get to. Um, so like the first thing that we do is look at my nails because otherwise she'll be like glancing at them. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> during our session and uh she goes oh man you know if if you weren't my client i would say you should do my nails and she said but i have to wait seven years and who knows if i could remember and so we talked about that a little bit right one of them um but that being said do you feel like it would be helpful or like it would be stale i am going to err on the side of caution um, I, you, we have hard time separating relationships. Um, one of the girls that I used to play, uh, D and D with even, uh, something would happen in our fantasy world and she would message me not long after we finished the session and why did you do that? <sighs> that was a character choice. <laughs> um, so that just goes to show that we really do have a difficult time separating those roles out. Um, just like I have students um, 
because I, I teach currently. And so I have students who will come up to me after class and say, okay, I really want to talk about something that's going on in my life. And it's like, I care about where you are and I care about what's going on with you, but I can't be your counselor. Um, so I, I mean, I can hear you out, but if it's something that you're going to want to work on over time, then we're going to have to find someone, someone else, um, their counseling services here on campus and I'll pull up phone numbers and all that stuff uh, to know that I'm just not hanging them out to dry. Um, but it's, it's hard to have a personal relationship with someone you need to be completely objective with. I think, and I think that's fair. Well, because if you're talking to someone that you are trying to provide services to that's informed by everything you know about them and if you know more than what they're telling you then you're not necessarily able to give them something that's objective in a way that's going to help them the best yeah uh, but yeah wine horse no problem i hope you feel better i'm sorry that you're, that you're feeling kind of crappy um uh, but yes definitely relax take care of yourself absolutely no no worries here uh, okay, we have another question here. Have you ever suggested or considered suggesting video games as treatment? I have. I haven't. I haven't ever uh, suggested it as treatment. Um, I know it is done uh, because we've talked to <laughs> Dark Souls to reduce anxiety. <laughs> I haven't played Dark Souls, but I. I mean. It's being it's being done. We talked about Dungeons and Dragons being used for social anxiety issues. Um, things like uh, Call of Duty and games like that are being used for exposure therapy for uh, vets with PTSD. Now, oh, sometimes it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So sometimes it'll spend, send uh, the clients into a tailspin, and it'll it'll be a bad day for them. Um, but other times, if it's uh, systematic desensitization, um, which is like slowly, little little baby steps uh, through the game, um, sometimes it's been it's shown to be helpful. So, yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. The with Call of Duty not being. Oh, yeah. very for you. Yeah, sometimes it was said sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, it depends on the person. Everyone is different. And that is one of the, the main messages I like to get across is that what may work for one person might not work for you. Yeah. Um, so it's Im <laughs> it's important <laughs> to uh, uh, it's important to make those considerations. Um, <clears throat> so. Yeah, League of Legends to reduce anger. All yeah. right, Frost. I think we need to, to define a little bit of, of what <laughs> reduce means here. <laughs> there are, uh, I think that there are plenty of games. So I have a game on my phone. Um, actually, I don't know if I have it on this new phone, but it's called Zenkoi. And like I downloaded it specifically so that when I'm stressed at work, I can just take my little fish and move it around the pond and eat the smaller fish and it's got this nice little music and very de-stressing because there's no bigger goal necessarily i mean there are you can you can upgrade your pond or whatever just but it only makes it a bigger pond it doesn't like make it prettier or anything mm -hmm. like that um so it's nice now league of legends dark souls <laughs> i would not put those in the same category 
But I have played League of Legends. One. <laughs> Never look back. Mama no. murders other life forms to sustain her mellow mood. I mean, would you expect anything different, though? Come on. <laughs> is it this one? Hang on. Let me see if this is it. Zenkoi. If it'll load. If it'll load. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. I mean, like, you can upgrade your koi to dragons or whatever once you get enough. But it's it's very mellow. And it's one of those games that I can just pay zero attention to the objectives. Which with right. most games, I can't do that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really, it's really hard thing for me to do a lot of the time. Yeah. Okay. I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I used to play The Sims before going to bed just because it was kind of mindless. Yeah. Yep. It's like, I'm just going to have her order a pizza, sit with her cat, you know. <laughs> you don't do the thousand baby challenge or <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> whatever it is. The <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> <other> fucking Sims. <laughs> A thousand baby challenge IRL. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, no. Never. I'm capable of that. <laughs> uh, I know that sometimes in your field it can be difficult to stop working. What is something you like to do in order to force yourself to turn off your work mind? Or do you prefer to always be in that mode? Okay. So that is the real reason why I left crisis intervention. Um, I had the hardest time leaving work at work. Uh, because going home and worrying about whether or not your students are studying for your test is one thing. Going home and worrying about whether or not your clients are going to be alive the next day is something completely different. And it was way too difficult for me. Um, I, I have very high anxiety, uh, naturally. So it just wasn't good for my personal mental health. Um, so I ended up taking a step back and going into academia, which I absolutely love teaching. I was the best decision I ever made. Um, so with that being said, it, there are it's very special type of person who can turn their brains on and off when it comes to work. Uh, I'm not one of them. So I work to inspire those who can go and do that, that sort of work. Um, but when I was doing that work and tried to shut my brain off, uh, Dragon Age all day. I mean, <laughs> I, I like it. Dragon Age. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to, I, and I can't do it anymore because I, my, um, my, job is different now it's with a different company it's a little more demanding but what i used to do is i would pick a halfway point and i don't remember where i got this from i got it from somewhere i didn't just make this up myself but um sure. i would pick a halfway point and be like okay when i'm on my way to work i can think about home until this point and then i'm going to start thinking about my day ahead of me and then i would do the opposite on the way back i could think about work to the halfway point and then i need to start thinking about home on the way back well now my my work days are just completely fucked. Like, <laughs> they just sometimes they sometimes they end at the normal time. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they uh, <laughs> sometimes they um, you know I have to work after the kids go to bed or whatever. But so that used to work for me, I will say. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you know, as as your career goes on, you just can't do the same things that right. you used to be able to do. But yeah, it, I I believe you that not everyone's brain is wired that way. Right. Sure. Right. And 
Another thing that I always, always have done um, to cope with any sort sort of stress or anxiety, uh, you mentioned briefly before we even started that you have a list that you follow when going to stream. I'm a list maker <laughs> as well. I make lists of lists I got to make. <laughs> I list so much. Um, but having that float around in my brain, I don't trust that I'll be able to come back to that and go, oh, what was that thought? So yeah, put it all yeah. on paper. And then I tell myself, okay, I'll worry about this in the morning. Close it. It's done. I like that. I like that. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. Uh, <laughs> we have been live now for an hour. So everybody with us, make sure that you drink some water, take a little sip. I've been sipping on mine and we'll probably have to take a, a little bio break in not too terribly long. <laughs> uh, hydration's important. Oh yeah, I, I list, I need lists upon lists because ADHD-PI is a hell of a condition. Now, what is the dash PI part? I don't know if I'm familiar with that. Hmm, I'm not, I'm definitely not. <laughs> Predominantly inattentive, okay, gotcha. all right, gotcha. Okay, Bartmark has a question as well. What is your best recommendation for someone trying to find a therapist in this? I don't well, know what's happening. Ah. Like I said, I, I had my system figured out until I defended my dissertation and that's when it decided to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's always the way, right? Right. Whenever yeah. you're in the middle of something, we're back. We're back. I'm so sorry, you guys. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. This. <laughs> I don't think there are any storms here. <laughs> I wish I could blame it on storms. Sometimes that's a good out. Like that's a that's like an easy an easy out, right? Ugh. Technically, yeah. I mean, in the summertime for us, it's rolling blackouts because we Texas Texas heats, and yes. we live in a an, an area that has a, an extremely old power grid. So everyone's ACs going on. Yeah, it knocks everything yeah. out. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so back to the particular um, lifestyle, trying to find a therapist question. So sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Um, a lot of uh, counselors and therapists these days have uh, web pages, either through the organization that they're working with or their own private web pages. And many times they'll talk about um, what they what they specialize in, what uh, they what they believe as far as like theoretical um implications and things of that nature um but when in doubt just ask you can set up one meeting with them and sit down with them and you can see whether or not it's going to be a good fit it's okay to switch therapists just like it's okay to switch doctors or teachers that don't teach in your learning style it's okay they're used to that they're not going to take it personally um it just has you have to feel comfortable and they, you need to be able to get information from them that helps you feel valid, helps validate you. Uh, counseling where you go in and they say, oh, na oh no, you're living a sinful lifestyle. Well, that's not exactly going to help your, yourself, your uh, self-fulfillment and things of that, uh, of that nature. So yeah, just ask. <laughs> I think that's fair. Would you recommend asking before you make an appointment, like on your, uh, when you're calling to schedule appointment, be like, look, here's 
the deal. Here's what I want to make sure that you're comfortable with. Or would you recommend having that first, like put that into your first um, appointment, if that makes some sense? I mean, if it's, if it's something that is very important to you that is being respected, like say um, you are part of the LGBT community and you want to make sure that someone is affirming, um, then ask them on the phone when you're making the appointment. Is this person going to, how is this person going to respond to my identity? Um, and if it's, what should go on? If it's not a problem for you, it shouldn't be a problem for them. That's a, a that's something that is occurring, um, in, in counseling these days. Um, many people go in and they'll say, oh yeah, I, I feel like I'm trans and I don't know what to do. It is a unfortunate reaction for the professional to look at that and go, oh, this is the problem we need to fix. Transgender identity is not a problem that needs to be fixed. It is not a disease. It's no longer in the DSM, uh, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, uh, which is kind of like the psychiatric Bible. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not in there. It's, they got rid of it uh, because you know what else was in there at one time? Homosexuality. That's not in there. So we need to quit uh, labeling these things as conditions that need to be fixed yep. and and accept them as just being a part of a human being. Yep. There are some things that have to be disclosed. So that's worth keeping in mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Psychiatric mm -hmm. Bible. <laughs> That is good. I like that. Uh, do you have any pets? And if you do, do you think they help reduce negative mentalities and emotions? Yes. And yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, we were talking about pets before we started. Um, well, I, hey, yeah, I, I had to warn her about Tyrion potentially jumping up onto my shoulder in the middle of everything. So, you know, that's always fun. <laughs> so this is Riley. This is my man. He's he's a miniature American Eskimo, and I got him in 2010. Uh, he's got heart issues, and he's just old with arthritis and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But that boy has saved my life more times than I can count. He's a rescue dog, and I have that little sticker on the back of my car that says, Who Rescued Who? Yeah. Uh, because I'm a true believer in that. Mm -hmm. uh, there's even a lot of, there, there have been studies um, in health psychology about how uh, animal animal companions, I sound like I'm talking about a D&D &D concept. <laughs> <laughs> how, these, how having a pet and caring for a pet and then having the pet uh, return uh, return that love through affection, how that really does uh, help our emotionality. Uh, there was this one particular study that I have in, in mind where people took a math test in this room. It was just them and a computer and they took the, the little um, questionnaire or little quiz. And then they had another group come in with their pets. And I think our connection is rough again. Uh-oh. Oh, no. It's just my screen froze. Oh, okay. I still hear you, but my screen froze. Oh, I guess it I can. Me. I can see you, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
it turns out that not only did the group that had their pets in the room with them, not only did they score better, their anxiety levels were way less. Oh, I like so, it. So stuff like that, it just goes to show pets really can help us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, we have talked about um, the cricket study. <laughs> over over and over the study keeps coming up and i don't know why it keeps coming up so often uh on my streams but there's a study that they did i think in south korea um with a group of elderly folks at an assisted living community and one group just got one group was a control group one got just um kind of talk therapy and then another one got talk therapy and a cricket to take care of and a sheet on what to do for your cricket and how to take care of your cricket and they showed that the folks, control group stayed the same essentially, talk therapy group improved, but the group with the cricket actually improved more than either of those two. Um, and so it just, you know, goes to show that even just having a pet who doesn't give you affection back can be yeah. helpful. Um, but of course, you know, the affection back is, is just incredible. Yeah, the, and, the affection back is super special. Yeah. and I. Uh, taking care of even just a cricket, that kind of gives us a new sense of purpose. Um, we realize that we have another life, even though it is an insect, we have another life we got to care for. Yep. I like that. Uh, by Mark asks if you need a friendly kitten because she has one that she uh, rescued also and needs a home. <laughs> I, uh, the inn is full, unfortunately. We've got dogs, we got a cat, and we got rabbits. Rabbits! Oh, I love rabbits. Rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all rescues. That's great. Get a dragon. <laughs> I am the dragon. There you go. There you go. Okay, what is the biggest misconception or challenge you see students face or overcome when they arrive in your class? Uh, one of the biggest things that I see is they, uh, most of my students only have one way to describe uh, different disorders. Um, and just like I was talking about before, you know, with treatment, what may work for one person might not work for another. How one person experiences, say, bipolar disorder might be completely different from how someone else experiences it. Um, I often talk about uh, obsessive compulsive disorder um, because the stereotype of someone with OCD is super particular, right? Well, what about that show of hoarders? Hoarding mm -hmm. disorder is a form of obsessive compulsive disorder. And it's just that compulsion is to hang on to everything or uh, or something to that effect. Uh, so I really like kind of challenging their preconceived notions about what these diseases or what these conditions look like. Absolutely, I like that. That's fantastic. Uh, and you know, it's, it's one of those things, sometimes that can be hard to overcome just what you think that you believe. Oh, mm -hmm. all right, all right. Okay, hang on. <laughs> Hello. Oh, all right. This is Tyrion. He's the one who thinks everything is about him. <laughs> Me. Hey, don't open stuff on my computer. Uh, so, you know, we all have these sets of beliefs, right? And, um, oh, what does my therapist always say? Hang-ups. Oh, she has a, it's like a 3H. Shoot, now I can't remember. 
She's going to be so disappointed that I can't remember what she always tells me. I won't tell. Hang-ups, hook-ups, and... Oh, I'll remember it at, like, midnight tonight. It's okay. Uh, so anyway, everybody comes with this set of preconceived kind of uh, idea about what things are, and they have different belief systems and different backgrounds, and everything's informed by their background and what they've been through in life and what they've learned in life. Uh, so it's always nice to see, especially students when they're younger, be able to get through something and come out of the other side right. with that idea changed. Because if you can maintain that throughout your adult life, like you're going to be in a, a better place, I feel like. Autumn says my ADHD expresses itself in many ways similar to autism, but it's definitely not ASD. Oh, please don't ring the bell. I'm not giving you a treat right now. <laughs> but mom. I know. <laughs> I rang the bell. <laughs> So Alex asks, what is your favorite online mental health resource or tool? Ooh, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer this one because I, I'm old fashioned. I do a lot of the, uh, traditional journaling and charting moods and, um, monitoring your, your thoughts, labeling your emotions and things like that. Um, so I haven't checked out any uh, modern mental health tools that are online. I ought That's to do fair. that. That's fair. That's okay. <laughs> uh, one, thing, one thing my students always get from me is uh, authenticity, because if I don't know the answer, I'll just say, I don't know. Let me go find out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a... <laughs> That's a popular thing here. I don't know. Let me Google it. <laughs> I have no idea what the answer to that is. <laughs> let me get back to you. Uh, which, you know, half the time works and half the time it doesn't. But that's okay. How very Pavlovian. They don't always get a treat when they ring the bell, but there is a bell above. They have like a little cat shelf over here uh -huh. that's covered in carpet. You know, one of those little one of those little things. And there is a bell above it. So sometimes whenever they're sitting on top of it and I put a treat down on the bed, their tail rings that bell. So they have started themselves associating sometimes the bell with treats. And I'm like, no, that's not what that means. It means your butt did something. <laughs> Okay, so I do have a question um, from Nancy, who is not able to be here tonight, but she sent this to me ahead of time. Um, she says, how do you feel about trans kids? Personally, I struggle with the physical changes that parents help their kids make, but maybe I'm wrong. I feel like that should be an adult decision on the kid's part. Uh, if that makes any sense, I hope that's clear. It's hard to put into words. I don't judge people for it. I just struggle with it and would like an expert opinion. And this is coming from um, this is coming from the perspective of uh, she has a daughter who's fully aware that she is immature at her age, uh, but they're they're clearly kind of talking through some of these things. So she would love to hear kind of what you have to say about it. Uh, I I had a feeling that I was going to get asked this because it is something that is asked quite often. Mm -hmm. um, oh gosh. How one person handles it may not be exactly the same as someone else. And that's a common theme in our conversation tonight. Um, <clears throat> it depends. And I hate that answer. But it is the most honest I can give you. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the individual. depends on uh, the family dynamics. Um, 
It depends on so many different things. Uh, for example, I've known trans people who uh, they present as the gen as the gender that they choose to identify with um, by just dressing in the in the uh, the clothing of that gender, um, and they have no desire to go through a hormone treatment, no desire to go through uh, gender affirming surgeries mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, and that's fine. That's up to them. That's their prerogative. Yeah. Uh, so trans kids is a very tricky thing to navigate mm -hmm. because on one hand, our brains don't fully mature until we're in our 20s. So we have to take that into account. Um, but on the other hand, uh, pu like puberty blockers and things like that, that's going to be the first uh, thing that most doctors uh, will look at for mm -hmm. transgender children. Um, puberty blockers will save so many surgeries as an adult. Um, but there's 10 years of change there and it could go, it can go any which direction. Um, so my advice uh, would be just talk to your kid, talk, talk to your kids. Um, as it was mentioned in this, in the chat previously, it's the family is also transitioning. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a conversation that needs to be very open and very honest. Um, and we need to, we need to weigh uh, the, I like to say the costs and the benefits. It's cost benefit analysis. Uh, <laughs> right. And the reason I used to always be against puberty blockers until TV entered my life. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Jazz Jennings, mm -hmm. uh, the television show I Am Jazz, uh, a, tra a transgender uh, girl, just adolescent, um, and she was put on puberty blockers um, so that she didn't get the deep voice or the Adam's apple or any of those masculine qualities. Um, and when her mother speaks about this the situation she says well it came down to this i was either going to have a dead son or a live daughter so jazz uh in her depression um got got pretty suicidal so that is a moment where you have to decide how how am i going to make sure my child is healthy and safe right, um right. And it's not the same for everybody, but being open to having those conversations, that's an incredible step in the right direction. Thank you. I appreciate you um, talking through that. I know that in my conversations with her, you know, we've talked about kind of likening it to a tattoo um, or to a boob job. So not um, not saying those are the same at all, but just in if your child loses someone when they are 12, 13, 14, 15, and they are, um, they are wanting to get a specific tattoo to honor that memory of that person, you know, I don't, I don't know. Can you get a, can you get parent parental approval to get a tattoo? I don't know. But like you have to decide as a parent, 
are you going to let them do that or do you want to have them wait until they are 18 and then with the boob job either with someone who is flat chested and doesn't want to be or with someone who is overly busty and wants a reduction not in relation to being trans at all right uh, just in relation to hey i don't like having big boobs or i don't like having a small boobs you know do you help them with that when they're younger do you have them wait and she and i have gone kind of back and forth on this um and it, but it's nice to have someone else weigh in on that conversation, uh, especially in Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and let, let me just say, Nuthouse, thank you so much for that raid. I appreciate you, everybody who's here with us today. Hello, this is Dr. K. Oh, over on the side, sorry. This is Dr. K. She is our professional today that we are talking through. And we are going through some questions. If you do have a question, we have... Um, an exclamation point, the letter Q, and then follow it with your question, and it will put it into a question queue that I will then ask our good pro here today. What do you have strong opinions on boobs in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> strong feelings on this that may not align with y'all. That's okay, Autumn. That's okay. We don't have to agree on everything <laughs> at all. Uh, not on boobs. <laughs> And I would love, I would love to get your opinion as well, Autumn, uh, if you don't mind sharing yeah, that with us, because I feel like this is a conversation that's really hard as a parent. You know, I've got, I've got four kids and if one of them decided that they weren't the gender that they were born as, you know, that would be something that I would have a really hard time finding someone to talk to about besides someone for me to talk to about. Like I know that I could talk to um, my therapist about it, but it would be really hard for me to find someone else in person, you know, a coworker or, you know, how do you, how do you find that person to talk about? Yeah. And I am blessed to have Autumn in my life. I'm blessed to have Robo in my life. I'm blessed to have um, Evelyn in my life. All three of y'all would be the first people I would go to absolutely to talk about that. Uh, but not everybody is. So any opinion that you have, Autumn, I'm sure would be absolutely welcome. Not enough yeah. boobs. <laughs> yeah, no. um, one of the things that I love is hearing other people's opinions on it because, I mean, I don't know everything. Um, so I, I have this idea that I will always, I will never stop learning because once I stop learning, then what am I even doing? Yep. Yep. Uh, so I would love to hear the uh, the thoughts as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, I doing these mental health Monday, um, doing these mental health Monday talks and looking at all of the different research and stuff as I pick a topic, if it's not a stream where I have a professional on to talk to, it's really opened my eyes to a lot of the research that there actually is. And who the heck thought that there would be a study about crickets in Korea <laughs> that would come up over and over and over <laughs> for some reason. Can't get away from the cricket study. Also, I hate crickets, by the way. Uh, <laughs> they're smelly. Having been a trans kid at some point, I didn't express with suicidal tendencies, so access to puberty blockers would have been an impossible sell at the time okay. and place when I was a kid, if they even existed yet. Crickets are the worst. Oh my gosh, they are so terrible. They smell so bad. They seriously do. So bad. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't know anything about puberty blockers. Do they make them for um, girls as well, or is it just for boys? As far as far as I know, um, <clears throat> now someone correct me if I'm wrong, but puberty blockers essentially um, stop your um, biological sex or organs from mm -hmm. producing such high amounts of 
hormones at a certain time in life. Okay. Um, yeah, they're the same for all. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, okay. That's good. I didn't, I wasn't sure. I know that, uh, <laughs> I, I know that there's, um, you know, a concern, especially with Adam's apple and deeper voice mm-hmm. and all of that, but I didn't know if it was the same. So would a puberty blocker, we're probably getting too much into the weeds here, but would a puberty blocker, would that block kind of development of breasts or does that? Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Um, That's good it, to know. Yeah. In fact, uh, one of the interesting things that uh, Jazz Jennings had uh, experienced was she had puberty blockers. Uh, and so when she wanted to get confirmation uh, bottom surgery, uh, she did not have enough tissue uh, to oh. to form. <laughs> yeah. To, to form a canal, a vaginal canal, essentially. Wow. So they had to go through all different sorts of options that they could do to complete her surgery. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so I will probably clip this part out. But Autumn, if you have anything else that you want to um, secondary sex characteristics, big thing for me would have been bone structure and body shape. That's a good point, too. Um, if you have any other advice, Autumn, especially for Nancy, I'm going to clip this part out and send it to her specifically so that if she doesn't want to watch the whole video, she doesn't have to. Um, but I would love for you to either put them in chat. I'll read them out so that they're part of the video. Uh, well, and they'll be part, there's the little chat box down there. So they'll be on there too. But any advice that you have for her, um, as someone with lived experience, I think would be fantastic. And while we're, while we're still going through that, I'll kind of, kind of go to this next question. So as a straight, white, cisgendered woman, what would be your biggest piece of advice for someone like me who wants to be an ally to the LGBTQIA plus community? Are there kind of common mishaps um, of allies that you would warn against? Um, I... I think the biggest thing um, is that we need to recognize that we are all human. We might have small labels, and I say small because it's just one piece of who we are. Um, we might have those small labels that are that are different, um, but I don't think that that should influence how we how we treat folks. Um, so, you want to be an ally? Be an ally. Just, just be a friend. Um, yeah, the golden rule: don't be a dick. Yes, don't make it weird. Don't focus too much on the on the fact that you are befriending them. You're becoming an ally because you are a trans person and you need my help. No, I gotta fly. <laughs> um, yeah, don't. I, I had one uh, person who responded to my. Uh, my research with uh, my dissertation, she says, just don't make it weird. Yeah. That's the only thing. Just don't make it weird. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, and Finn, I like, I like your point too. If you think it's going to be offensive, just ask about it. Most are willing to educate and inform because I have found that to be true. Um, Or even, you know, the corrections. Like if, if I say something and I am thankful that some of my friends have been like, Hey, yeah, actually don't say it that way. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, oh, noted. I had no idea. And you just kind of move on from that. So um, I feel like being the the willingness to take note of things and to yes. go by someone's preferences for terminology or um, 
or ask about it. If you say, you know, would this be offensive if I were to say this, but don't, you know, I, I definitely would say careful with that. Cause some people are like, Oh, would it be offensive if I called, if I told you you're being a bitch right now? You know, <laughs> I've had people say that to me and I'm like, yeah, but you just said it without actually asking me if it was going to be offensive. So <laughs> also no, I don't care. I am a bitch sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's just, just ask. Um, I think the biggest, um, at least with my research, the hardest thing to get used to was new pronouns. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we make mistakes. We have slip ups. Uh, I personally have a, uh, a friend who recently came out mm -hmm. as, as trans and she is currently working on applying the feminine pronouns, but still presenting as male. So it's, it's like my brain isn't making those connections mm -hmm. quite yet. Um, but the fact that I am expressing to her that oh, it's going to take some time, I apologize. I, I want to affirm, I want to affirm you, um, just being upfront and honest about, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes and I'm sorry. Um, I mean, it's all you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. We, um, we have, um, had some interactions and in chat before where someone said, Hey, you know, I, I really don't want to be called guy or dude or, or anything like that. And I say guys all the time, like yes, for, for everyone. And so I have to be a little bit careful with that around that person in particular. But, um, honestly, as long as I have said like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't mean it in that way. And also I'm trying not to say that like, they're fine. You know, it's, it's completely fine. They're like, it's okay. It's, just we're, we're kind of making progress towards it. So y'all is a perfect gender pronoun, <laughs> a perfect gender neutral collective pronoun. I like it. Yes. I'm a dude. She's a dude. He's dudes. We're all dudes. Yeah. Yes. I like that. Um, Autumn says, basically my stance is firmly on the side of social transition after meeting the persistent, insistent, consistent criteria and providing puberty blockers to children who express dismay with their assigned gender and the thought of impending puberty. They are reversible if you stop them, so risk is minimal in certain age ranges. I like that. That's good. That's a really good point, too, that those um, yeah. the blockers are reversible because the opposite is not true, right? I mean, you can't, like, if, once it happens, there's no going back, but if you prevent it, then you can reverse it. So I think that's great. That's a really good point. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, I like y'all. <laughs> y'all is a good one. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's why Texans win. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, so we're going to switch to talking about um, self-care. If you're still feeling comfortable on time, I want to respect your time and, and energy levels. If you're still feeling good, we'll keep on going. Um, but that's that's totally up to you. We can hang out for a while okay. longer. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. All right, I am going to do just a quick... Um, bio break here. I have been drinking a lot of water. I need to refill and visit the little girls room. So I'm going to switch y'all to the cat cam and I'll even throw down some treats for them to, to come to. So give me just a minute. I'll be right back like <laughs> five minutes. I can reef my water and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Oh. Hang on. No sound? No sound! We have sound now. Okay. <laughs> Mom, the sound! <laughs> oh, that's okay. I got it now. I, I hit the wrong things on there. That's okay. <laughs> uh, pro. I'm a pro, but not at anything that is related to streaming or mental health at all. It's, <laughs> you know, that's how it is. Okay, we're going to switch over and talk about self-care because that is one of uh, Dr. K's other passions here. So tell us about your self-care Sunday group. I'm super interested in that. Okay, so the group itself is still kind of in its infancy. Uh, however, this is something I've been wanting to do for years uh, because through, um, through my schooling and stuff like that, I start learning all of these tools to, uh, to teach to other folks about being kind to yourself and uh, learning how to take proper care of yourself. Um, and one thing that we know is that the mind and body are very closely related. Uh, mind affects body, body affects mind. Uh, so we might be able to take care of ourselves in a physical manner uh, by like uh, controlling our diet, exercising and crap like that. But what about our mental health? How are we taking care of that? Um, so I wanted to start talking more specifically about things that we could do um, to help take care of ourselves. Uh, so I put some feelers out with some friends and said, hey, if I get this group together, oh, my dog is barking, if okay. we can get this group <laughs> together, uh, would anyone be interested in coming along and chatting with me and uh, trying out some, some fun things? Um, and I did get some responses. So we kind of started it as a book club style get together to where we were talking about things that we were reading and um, and then how does that influence our mental health? How does engaging in our hobbies affect our mental health? Uh, how do relationships affect our mental health and all of that fun stuff because it's all interconnected. Um, so yeah, we just get together and shoot the breeze and we'll talk about um, like one thing we talked about was uh, grandparents. My husband's grandmother just celebrated her 90th birthday. Oh, and wow. So, yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. So we started talking about things that we uh, loved and appreciated about our, our grandparents and how that influenced us growing up and how we can take some of those things and, and funnel it towards being a better person. Um, once again, self-fulfillment, personal, personal awareness and free will. <laughs> I love that. I think that's yeah. great. If there's wine or whiskey, count me in. <laughs> um, I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny that alcohol was involved. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> oh, I think that's great. So do you consider, um, reading books to be self-care in a way? Self-care, I define self-care as anything that is good for your wellness, anything that improves or contributes to your personal wellness. And for me, 
reading most definitely can be. Uh, it's a form of escapism. We can put ourselves in another world just like we can with video games. Um, some folks don't like to read and that's fine. So that's when we kind of transition into other hobbies that we that we like. Do we do we bake? Do we um, power lift? <laughs> so what do we do that makes us feel most like us? Okay, I like that. We got a pro to support our fart theory. Okay, so we have a theory and an emote to go along with it. So this is the emote right here. Uh, that farting can be a form of self-care, predominantly because holding in farts doesn't feel very self-care-y. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't tell my husband that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, uh, that's one of the things that we have talked about before is like, I don't think the people around you would feel like it's self-care. <laughs> But I heard, I don't know how true it is. I was told in middle school that if you pass gas while in an, a space suit, if you're an astronaut and you're in the suit and you pass gas with inside, while inside of it, it can actually hurt you. Really? I don't know. I don't know if it's true. It's just one of those tidbits that I heard when I was 12 years old and I, I hung on to it. Mm -hmm. I like it. That's fun. <laughs> Okay, uh, so we have a couple questions in here. What is your favorite book? Mm. That's the first one. And that's a hard question for me because I have too many favorite books. <laughs> My favorite book is We Need to Talk About Kevin. Okay, um, what is that book? Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know what year it actually came out, um, but there was this I guess it was a list on BuzzFeed or something like that. Um, that was like five of the most uh, thought-provoking movies on Netflix right now. And one of them was We Need to Talk About Kevin. So I watched that, loved it. Uh, it was disturbing, obviously, for mm -hmm. obvious reasons if you start watching it. Um, but I realized it was based on a book. So I read the book and the book is incredible it's so much more detailed if you can stomach it um but considering i like serial killers it was kind of right up my alley um but yeah i'm writing i'm writing that down thank you bite mark 2003 novel by lionel shriver hey there we go <laughs> i like it um yeah, so there's there's a study that talks about, um, and this is what Slay is talking about, the farting on your loved ones increases the lifespan of the targets. Uh, there's a study that talks about smelling the compounds that are also found in farts can, oh, all right, cat, uh, can prevent certain cancers, but I'm not sure of the validity of that study <laughs> specifically, but uh, it's a fun one to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so it's self-care, but it's also care for your for your partner. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> right. I will take your word for it. Right, right. <laughs> Kitty, you're all up in my business. Could you stop? Uh, oh, all right. So Finn, also Tarkevious Blackson in there, uh, wants to know what your deadlift max is. Oh, man, my deadlift. I struggle. Um... 
Oh, I think it's only at 215. Uh, yeah. More than mine. That's what I, that's the area I really needed to work on after my last meet. <laughs> that's solid. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. One must be careful what one person does for self-care can be self-harm to another. You know, that's a really good point because what someone considers self-care might really not be self-care for another person. Yes. Um, and the other thing, uh, I was asked uh, about this prior to us actually streaming, uh, the line between self-care and self-indulgence. And I really wanted to talk about that. Um, yeah, that was my next question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Remember, self-care is anything that helps your wellness. Self-indulgence or helps your wellness and self-indulgence well, that's not always super healthy. Uh, if it becomes a detriment to your health, then that's not something I would recommend for self-care. Um, like, hey, I deserve a glass of wine today. I'm not going to drink an entire box, though, because that's not good for my health. Um, it's, it's a very fine line. Um, and what was stated about... Um, what is self-care for one might turn into self-harm for another. Yeah, that's very much, that's very much the case because anything can become an addiction. Mm -hmm. um, so balance, balance is hard. I don't have a special fix for that, but um, it's something to be mindful of. Yeah, I think that's good. So that's something that I personally struggle with a lot because if it takes me away from the house or it takes me away from the kids, um, sometimes it can feel really selfish, but in some ways, like, yeah, I want to do some things for myself, but also my kids are in various life stages and, uh, <laughs> sometimes you have to prioritize yourself over, over others, even if it is your kids. But then the other part of it is that we've talked about a lot is that sometimes money is an obstacle, um, for some things. So it's, it's, it's sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes. Yeah. And Self-care can be going for a $50 pedicure, or it can be just drawing up a hot bath and taking 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, It can be super quick. There's this scene, there's this scene in uh, the second Sex in the City movie where, <laughs> where Charlotte gets uh, really uh, agitated by her children. They're screaming her name, mom, 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 right? I know those feels. <laughs> She locks herself in the pantry and it's just a quick timeout. It's just enough time for her to recollect or, you know, recollect her thoughts, mm -hmm. take a couple deep breaths. That is self-care. It's yeah. so simple. Right. But it's important. Yeah. We've talked before about self-care being this um, like $15 billion industry that's just growing every year and how it's some things are marketed as self-care that for one person might be self-care and for another person they really might not be. And yeah. it, it's like if you can find self-care in something like locking yourself in the pantry for a couple minutes whenever your kids are just bugging the ever-loving shit out of you, you know, that's that's something that's that's free, that's there, that you can do theoretically anytime within reason, you know. <laughs> Although... There was one point where I just needed, like, I just needed to go to the bathroom by myself. Please stop. Please stop. 
Uh, and so I went into the bathroom that no one goes into in the house, and the cats opened the door and jumped up on the counter. Oh, and I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> oh, so Bite Mark found the astronaut thing. <laughs> uh, on Earth, farts are typically no big deal, smelly, harmless, and they quickly dissipate. But if you're an astronaut, every fart is a ticking time bomb. The gases in farts are flammable, which can quickly become a problem in a tiny pressurized capsule in the middle of space where your fart gases have nowhere to go. That is from discovermagazine.com. <laughs> For those of you who, who are interested. You learn something new every day. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I had no idea. That I, I'm surprised that hasn't come up before. Hey, Tyrion, please stop. Uh, all right. Do you use any tips or tricks to get people to do their best even when they aren't necessarily motivated? Or does it always have to come from within each individual? In true humanistic fashion, uh, I believe a lot of that stuff is within the individual. Uh, there's that old dumb psychology joke that how many psychologists does it take to screw in a light bulb? Just one, but the light bulb has to want to change. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the only thing that we can do on the outside to get someone motivated is um, to point, just to point out um, how that change could benefit either them, the situation, their family. Um, for example, I know you guys watch Intervention. So you have the intervention where you sit down and you lay things out on the table and you say, if you don't go to rehab, I'm not going to let you, you know, see your grandkids anymore, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So that is clearly setting the stage for motivation. Here, here's your motivation. You want to see your right. grandkids? You got to get well. Um, so life isn't always that dramatic. Um, but I, I think in order to get someone to make a change or uh, engage in a behavior or an action, uh, it has to come from within. And all we can do is be on the sidelines and say, yeah, it's going to be so great when you finally do it. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> uh, I would like to point out that not a pro orders boxes of wine and most likely drinks wine by the barrel off camera. Okay. I order cases of wine. <laughs> I, no, I, I'm, I do the uh, Wall, Street, Wall Street Journal Wine Club, and they deliver 12 bottles every three months, which is great uh, and fantastic. And they're really good wines. There's only been one wine where I'm like, Actually, I really hate this. And I sent them a, oh, hey. <laughs> I sent them a note about it. And they were like, we're so sorry. We will never give you this wine again. Some people really like it and some people really don't. And uh, it, we're sorry, here's a refund and here's another bottle of wine on us. So, um, but yes, I do drink wine. It's true. I don't know that I consider it self-care though. <laughs> well, hey. Some cardiologists swear by the glass of red wine a day. That's true. And I do get all reds now, fortunately. I had, the, <laughs> I had them switch. They were sending me, uh, it was six reds and six whites. And I have like 22 whites over on my shelf that I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to drink those. <laughs> so every now and then if I make fish or something, 
I'll be like, I really want wine, but red wine just doesn't go with tilapia. <laughs> red, wine goes, red wine goes with anything. That is true. <laughs> Usually, yes. Fiona says, hi, Dr. K. Don't worry, I'm on my way to drink those wines for you. Fiona, you can have them. You can have them eventually. <laughs> Help you kill them. Autumn, come on. We'll just make it a party. Any wine you like goes with anything. That is that is true. That is true. But yeah, we've talked about um, with tips and tricks, just the little piece of uh, it's not necessarily do it right or don't do it at all. It's the, you know, if you can't do it at 100%, but you know that it needs to get done, do it at 90%, 80%. 20%, yeah. whatever, whatever it takes to get you motivated within yourself. Um, don't feel like you have to do it perfectly because sometimes doing something is better than nothing at all, yeah. uh, which is hard for people with, ow, hey, for some people um, with anxiety or with OCD in particular, because that can come along with a little bit of per perfectionism, right? So oh, yeah. Yes. If you're trying to find that motivation of I need to do all of this stuff right. And then you have that other piece of uh, but also I still need to brush my teeth, whether it's two minutes or I only have 30 seconds, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. By the way, please brush your teeth for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I try to tell my kids that all the time. Uh, but it, it is like the half-assing piece of it is better than nothing if you can't whole ass it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I used to um, tell my, my students when they're trying to start the writing process, I just don't know what to write. So I say, just word vomit. You can always edit yeah. it later. Yep. Just start throwing sentences on that page and see what works. Uh, so yeah, it works in very various areas. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, and I think that's great too, because um, in my job, you know, I'm in, I'm in marketing for a, an AAC company and you send a blank page to an engineer and they're going to be like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is never going to get done. You send a blank page to an architect. It's a completely different story. Like they'll fill that up and then fill up 10 yeah. more, but you send it and I'm completely generalizing. Of course, there are people who are not like that in that given perfect profession, but having done this for so long, that is a fairly accurate generalization. Uh, but if I send an engineer a page where I say, look, we're talking about this approach to building this, whatever it is, uh, here's what I came up with. They can edit the crap out of it. They'll be like, no, you're completely wrong. Here's the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's that piece of, I can't even get this started. So I love that you tell your students to just word vomit because that's something <laughs> that I have seen in my job as well. Yeah. Uh, executive dysfunction is a real bitch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I started streaming because it gives me a reason to actually get out of bed. Hey, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. There are other people expecting me to do the thing. Yes. Yep. That's how I started all my essays. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We do brain dumps when starting new projects all the time and just rearrange it and fill the gaps. Moves very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so. Great. That's my tool for getting people motivated, and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah, brain dump, word vomit, cat. Yeah, get your tail off there. Uh, okay, so if you could change one thing about the mental health field or people's views of mental health professionals, what would it be? Uh, I would tell people that mental health is for everyone. Um, we might not all have a diagnosable psychological condition, but we all have 
mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to be engaged in in that, uh, regardless of where you come from, what condition you have. And a large amount of the population has some sort of uh, mental health concern, whether it be mm-hmm. depression, anxiety. Uh, someone has um, someone has felt uh, this pain. Um, so mm-hmm. understanding, coming from a place of compassion and empathy, that can go a long way. Yeah, I like that because it's it's even if you don't have you know the same diagnosis that I do, even if you don't have a diagnosis at all, like um, there's God, this cat, cat, I swear, <laughs> uh, there's still you know you still shouldn't feel like you can't talk to somebody about it, and you shouldn't feel like if someone wants to talk to you about it that it, there's any shame in talking to them about it. Um, that's been one of the the biggest things. So I'm a mental health champion at my job. And that's been one of the biggest like eye openers is that, yeah, people actually do want to talk about this. They just didn't know that they could. Yeah. Uh, So that's great. There's this joke on uh, sex in the city. I talked about it. I've been binge watching it. Um, (laughs) But there's this joke about how you become the woman in your thirties saying, well, my therapist says, Mm -hmm. and no one wants to be that person. Um, but you know what? Anyone can go see a therapist because yeah. um, I really dislike the uh, people assuming that only folks with serious issues go and see therapists. And we yeah. talked about that, about how I think everyone um, should consider uh, getting um, getting counseling or some sort of uh, mental health intervention should they feel they need it and yeah. not be afraid of judgment or anything like that yeah i i don't i don't know of a single person who wouldn't benefit from at least a little therapy i mean i mean self-awareness is a beautiful thing yes can you send this cat to therapy so he doesn't need so much attention from me well i don't know if i can do that (laughs) maybe he can join the rabbit sweetheart he is he really is a sweetheart he just like you stop petting him and he pulls your hand in and he's really good about using soft paws too so he doesn't use his claws but then he'll pull your hand in and then he'll bite your hand so there's that love cat yes yeah um there he is again yes i know (laughs) persistent he's persistent but yeah i you know when i'm at work like there have been instances where i've been on a conference call and my appointments are at a specific time every week uh kind of thing and i'm like y'all i gotta drop off because i gotta go to counseling yeah and everyone on the call is like oh yeah go 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 and i don't feel like it would have been like that you know five years ago three years ago even that's that is something new that i am so thankful for uh that i can say at my job hey i've got a counseling appointment i gotta i gotta bounce when you're in the middle of a business call which granted is usually going over it's a lot of time anyway uh (laughs) but it's it's really been it's really been nice at least to see that change a little bit um and it's why you know i'm doing what i'm doing is to just try to break that stigma down alex as i always say i have a therapy appointment instead of just saying i have an appointment i think that's fantastic the stigma must be destroyed yes yeah uh heck that i'd be that person yeah my therapist says oh my god cat I swear, <laughs> you're so sweet and so soft. Also, you're in my cord. Can't be in the cord. 
Um, okay. Do you have any advice for people like me who want to talk openly about mental health uh, without an in-depth background in the field professionally? Because like I said, I'm in marketing for an AEC company. Um, I go to therapy. I am not a therapist in any way, shape, or form. Um, the closest I get is having a couple of certifications with no stigmas, and then I'm going to a mental health first aid course, and I've done the training at my job. <laughs> um, honestly, you're doing beautifully. You're doing everything that you need to do to become a voice for the mental health community, even though you're not professionally involved with the mental health community. Um, and I don't think there's anything I can tell you to change um, because you're you're talking, you're doing, uh, you're not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk. Uh, you are uh, engaging in this, the stream, uh, the, the Twitch streams, you're, like you said, getting your uh, certifications at work so that you have those badges for you. Um, I mean, just never, never stop learning about it. And what we learn about the human brain is that things change over time. Um, the more we find out about the, about the brain, the more we realize we don't know. Uh, so there's always going to be new, uh, new pieces of information coming out, new ways to handle things. Um, so just being receptive to what those opportunities and alternatives may be, that sets you up. <laughs> I think that I, I appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I really wish that there wasn't such a stigma around it. Um, and I'm glad to have, you know, people here, here who are willing to, to talk about it with me every week. And then people like you who are willing to come on and talk with us about it. I think that that's great. And the more that we can connect that, uh, the more that I will, you know, just be loving life. So yeah. Uh, I will remind everybody, if you have any questions for Dr. K, you are welcome to put them into the chat um, with exclamation point Q or just put them into the chat. It's fine. I'm watching it. Cat, I swear to you, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. I can't even be mean. You're so sweet and soft. Uh <laughs> well, your viewers have been nice. So nice. So wonderful oh, and welcoming oh. to me. Everyone's wonderful in here, <laughs> I swear. I I was so nervous. I had a, a bad experience on Xbox Live several years oh, ago. No. It, it traumatized me. And so I tend to stay away from online groups. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. Like, we get our share of trolls here. And typically, um, you know, they come into my chat and I'm like, you know what? I can tell you're having a hard day. You stick around. And as long as you're not attacking my community you're not attacking the people um, here in chad you keep your attacks on me and we're fine uh and honestly that those have really been kind of few and far between on twitch which i'm grateful for i know that not all oh yeah see there we go there's a follow from a great one <laughs> so you also get the name trolls like this one right here which is great welcome baby how are you doing <laughs> uh, no <laughs> <laughs> yeah reverse rolling oh that's good uh but yeah i mean there are people like that of course in any online community you're gonna find them somebody having a hard day and just thinking that it's funny to go on and and troll a little bit but you know what it's fine they're fine and fortunately i've got some great mods in my community and some great regulars and some great vips who typically troll them back until they either leave or are like, yeah, y'all are cool. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, it, it sucks. It's, you know, the, the hate that there is on the internet is just incredible with, with online communities and people who just hide behind their keyboard and, but who knows, maybe they would say it to somebody out loud in person, but I just highly doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> Holla. Yeah, girl. <laughs> 17 minutes old. They are a baby. Yeah. You can, so you can also click on the name and it'll tell you how old the account is. And when it was created, it counted 18 oh. minutes ago. That's a good way to tell usually. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, we appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Do you have anything, any parting comments you want to provide? Oh man. Words of wisdom, huh? Yeah. No. Thanks I... for that follow Irish. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I know who that is. Oh, do you? <laughs> Uh, my husband is in the other room, and that is him. <laughs> oh, hello. Hello, Dr. K's husband. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Parting words. I, You know, I, I don't know. We talked about so much, um, and I I think that we really talked, hit on the points that are super important to me, things like personal fulfillment and self-care and our ability to make our own choices and Above everything else, I think we just need to be decent to each other because um, the world is rough enough as it is. Why are we creating problems for other people? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, I just, I wish that everyone would just love everybody. Right? <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's enough hatred in the world without throwing it on people that are around you. So, yeah. Absolutely. Loving the stream, loving the message and openness. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And if you come back, um, I hope you won't expect too much. Uh, <laughs> not love. There's always love here, but it can get a little wild on <laughs> some of the other days. <laughs> but that's okay, too, because everybody has the things that they like to do. You know. <laughs> self-care. <laughs> yeah, self-care. There you go. Thank you for coming on and answering our questions, Dr. K. Thanks for the follow, Mr. Husband. There you go. Yeah, be careful on Fridays. That's the day you really got to watch out for. <laughs> I don't know. Fridays, those are my D&D days. Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> if you want dirt on Mama, check her channel clips. Oh, God, don't do that. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Pretty tame day on a scale from one to shenanigans. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I, I'm thankful for a calmer day. <laughs> yes, Mondays are Mondays are fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Dr. K. I appreciate it, and uh, I loved having you on, and I think that the community did too. So, uh, y'all, we're gonna switch over to the cat cam again for just a minute while I disconnect with Dr. K, and then I.